Thank you so much for visiting us online today. We believe God wants to speak to you through the following message. If you would like to connect with us or send us your prayer request, visit us at kingsgatehobs.com. So we're continuing in the book of Acts, chapter 11. I'm going to start with verse 1. I believe we got into all the way down to verse 2 last week. So remember, the apostle Peter had just gone to the house of Cornelius in, uh, where was that, Caesarea? And um, so here we are, and this explains some of that. Soon the news reached the apostles. What does apostle mean? Do you remember? Messenger. Messenger. Soon the news reached the apostles and other believers in Judea that the Gentiles had received the word of God. Now you've got to remember that this was a very entrenched belief in the, in the, the faith system of the old covenant with the Jews was this is for us only. Even though Scripture promises to the Gentiles, you can look in the Old Testament and see there were promises that the Lord was going to bring in non-Jews and they were going to be believers as well. But the Jews had a hard time with this in the religious establishment. So they heard that the Gentiles had received the Word of God. Who are Gentiles? Non-Jews. But when Peter arrived back in Jerusalem, the Jewish believers criticized him. Many times we criticize stuff we don't understand. You entered the home of Gentiles and even ate with them, they said. How religious, right? But God was about to break them down a little bit. Peter told them exactly what had happened. I was in the town of Joppa, he said, and while I was praying, I went into a trance. Saw a vision. Something like a large sheet was let down by its four corners from the sky. And it came right down to me. When I looked inside the sheet, I saw all sorts of tame and wild animals, reptiles, and birds. And I heard a voice say, get up, Peter. Kill and eat them. More than one meaning going on there. No, Lord, I replied, I have never eaten anything. Remember, anyone familiar with the term kosher? Kosher means food and eating habits as prescribed by the old Jewish law. Okay? No, Lord, I replied, I've never eaten anything that our Jewish laws have declared impure or unclean. But the voice from heaven spoke again, do not call something unclean if God has made it clean. Wow. This happened three times. Must have been important. We talked about this last week. It happened three times before the sheet and all it contained was pulled back up to heaven. Now, let me tell you a story. And some of you have heard it already because if you've been here a while, you know a lot of my stuff. That's just how it is. But... If you've never heard this story before, you're going to enjoy it. So in uh, May of, let's see, yeah, May of 2004, I went with a friend of mine, Dr. Marison, to Indonesia. And he preached on a Sunday morning. I'll never forget it. Man, he brought a great word. And when he was done, they said, Pastor, come here. They were talking to me. And they called Pastor Marison. They said, come on over here. We're eating. Would you guys like to join us? We're, we're handing out stuff. It's free. I said, what are you guys eating? And they said, Anjing goreng. I went, anjing goreng. I said, one of those means fried. I knew that. I'd learned a few words in Indonesian. Fried. I said, what does that mean? And the guy goes, fried dog. I went, oh, man, you know what? Mm, I'm busy. <laughs> I don't remember what I said. I don't remember. Fried dog at a church service, man. Wow. 
I remember thinking, oh, you know what? I'm not ready yet. You know, I, don't, I didn't give him a real spiritual answer. I'm like, no, thank you, man. Save that for somebody else. I mean, which of the brethren would like fried dog, right? I'm sure there's somebody else that will eat that. And they had a weird green sauce on it or something. Fried dog. And we had a guy. I'm just making sure you're awake tonight. We have a guy from Thailand. He's a friend of ours. He's actually my dad's tailor. True story. He says, you know, if you're going to eat dog, he says, black dog is the best. Black, the black fur and the darker meat. Is that gross? So you're going to think about that next time you see a black puppy somewhere or something. Say, man, I bet they taste like chicken. <laughs> okay. Now, I do not believe the Lord was sanctioning that you eat dogs. I mean, who knows? In the Garden of Eden, dogs may have talked. So you just should not eat dogs anyway. But, man. So he's telling the story about this, right? Just then, three men who had been sent from Caesarea arrived at the house where we were staying. This is the Apostle Peter still telling his story to explain why he had gone and given the word to the Gentiles. The Holy Spirit told me to go with them and not to worry that they were Gentiles. These six brothers here accompanied me, and we soon entered the house or the home of the man who had sent for us. He told us how an angel had appeared to him in his home and had told him, send messengers to Joppa and summon a man named Simon Peter. He will tell you how you and everyone in your household can be saved. Is that the cry of your heart for everyone in your family to be saved? That's, that's one of those desires that goes back to the beginning of time. I think, I think dads feel the same way, but there's nothing like a mom who says, man, I want those kids saved. I want them to be okay. I want them to be right with God. I know that was the cry of my mom's heart, you know. I told you this before, some of you, those of you know, uh, some of my stories, my mom would, there'd be seasons, I remember when I was a middle schooler, 8th, ninth grade, back, back in the day, junior high or middle school was 7th, 8th, and ninth. even though ninth counts towards your high school credits. And I remember, man, in the morning, I'd go to bed late, but I just wasn't a morning person. And I remember, man, I wouldn't want to get up and pray. And mom would get John and Elaine out of the bed, well, because they were smaller than me. And she'd have them in there praying. And, man, I'd, I remember sometimes I'd, mom would be so frustrated with me. She didn't know what to say. She couldn't get me to pray in the morning. And I'd tell her, Mom, I'll pray later, you know. She'd say, no, you got to pray before school. And I'd give her a hard time. She'd get so frustrated, so she'd write me notes. Spiritual notes. So, see, I bet, bet a lot of y'all didn't have this. This is something special. Mom would say things like creative things that really made my heart feel warm. Like, babe, I'm really concerned about you. You need to make sure you're right with God. It really touched my heart. In fact, it infuriated me. Those who knew my mom know that was just like her. She didn't pull, she didn't talk a lot, but if you got one-on-one with her, she'd She'd, she'd give you a couple jabs and a knockout punch if it was the truth, if it's what you needed to hear or what she felt you needed to hear. So she'd say things like, you know what? I don't know. You, you need to seek God because you're not doing that, that great. <laughs> Stuff like, Man, but I never forgot that. You know what I loved about my mom? She was never afraid of me. And we were always close, but she was never worried that I was like, oh, man, I'm not going to like my mom, or I'm mad at her. She, she was never worried about that. She loved me enough to tell me the truth, and that be a reminder and a lesson to you and an example to you. Parents, don't ever be more worried about your 
kids than you are about your relationship with God. Eli, the high priest of Israel, Scripture says at one point that he honored his sons above God because he didn't correct their evil actions. Don't ever put your kids before God. Everything goes back to your relationship with God first. And man, mom was good at that. She, and she was always concerned about it. It was the cry of her heart that we serve God. And she'd check on me and talk with me, and sometimes it flustered me. But interestingly enough, I remember one time that my mom told me, she said, you know what, and this is unique. This is part of my testimony. She told me, if I've ever done anything to hurt you, I just, I just want you to know. I, I, I'm sorry, and I want you to forgive me. I'll never forget this. I, was, I think I was in my 30s. And I said, Mom, can I tell you the truth? And she like, looked at me like, okay, here we go. And I said, Mom, I don't need to forgive you. I said, I've had to forgive a lot of people, but you're not one of them, Mom. You've always done right by God and right by me. You've, and our personalities were very compatible, but she, she just said, are, are you serious? I said, yes, ma'am. I don't need to forgive you. I said, forgive me, because I've made you cry before. <laughs> That's the worst thing in the world. Why was it so important that I be right with God to my mom? Because she knew the truth of the word. She always wanted her household to be saved and walk in truth. So there's some moms out here, maybe on the live stream, you say, man, I'm believing God. Don't give up, mom. Don't give up, sis. God is with you. He hears your prayers. Scripture says, the fervent, effectual prayer of a righteous person, a righteous man or woman, it avails much. So God, what does that mean, it avails much? It means it's very effective, so keep praying, moms. Keep believing God. God's going to work it out. Your family's going to be saved. How many of you, in your mind, in here, you say, I was an impossible case, but my mom prayed for me? Is there anyone in the house that would raise their hand? Wow, really? In a small group? My mom prayed for me, and here I am. Wow, really? I didn't know that. He will tell you how you and everyone in your household can be saved. This is what the angel told Cornelius when he was praying. As I begin to speak, Peter continued, the Holy Spirit fell on them just as he fell on us at the beginning. How do we know that the Holy Spirit fell on them? Say, well, it was just by faith. Well, actually, they started speaking in tongues, just like the apostles and just like the disciples over there. Does anyone remember how many people were gathered in the upper room in Acts chapter 2 when the Holy Spirit fell on them? It's a multiple of 20. Okay, it's a multiple of 120. So it's 120 times 1. It's 120. Okay, no extra credit for you. <laughs> you knew the answer. You just didn't want to say nothing. Oh, that's so humble of you. The other ones who knew the answer, they weren't listening. They, when it, they checked out for a second. Like, man, I'm not going to try to answer this. There were 120 people gathered there. And you know what's powerful about those that gathered at the upper room? Here's how you speak the truth of the gospel to Catholics. Say, man, are Catholics bad people? Oh, no, 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 no. Catholics have a very similar, similar Bible to ours. They have some extra books, which is called the Apocrypha. But, man, Catholics who accept Jesus make great evangelical believers. And this is how my dad used to minister to Catholic folk. He, they'd say, man, I don't know if I believe all this. And dad would say, hey, did you know that Mary received the baptism of the Holy Spirit? She was one of them listed by name that was there in the upper room. Jesus' earthly mom was there to receive from God. Why? Because she carried a child who was the son of God, but she was, and a great woman of God, but she was still human like the rest of us and imperfect. 
and God was there to meet them, and he kept the promise. And who does anyone remember who gave the first great message after the Holy Spirit fell in Acts chapter 2? Which apostle gave a huge message to the crowd that was questioning their baptism in the Holy Spirit, and thousands were saved? Does anybody remember? You know this. Were you saying it in Spanish? You almost threw me off. I'm all Pedro. Amo, llegamos al servicio de español. Did we come to the Spanish service? Oh, I was like, I think Adi knows the answer, but she's giving me an answer in another language. Yes, Peter, Pedro. Me estaba contestando en español. Interesting. Yes, you are right. You get a gold star. So Peter... Man, the guy, can you imagine the guy who betrayed Jesus is now being used as, as the great master plan to get the gospel to the whole planet? Did you know the, what's crazy is you're reading about your spiritual legacy when you read in Acts. You're reading about those who went before us, and who knows how Peter spoke to someone, someone else spoke to someone, it got to Europe, or Africa, or Spain, or India or Russia, wherever your ancestors are from, and from the Middle East or Mexico and wherever, South America. And it all started with, with Jesus and his 12 disciples. Amazing. Look at what Peter goes on to say. Then I thought of the Lord's words when he said, <coughs> John baptized with water, hence the name John the Baptist, Right? He was not of the Baptist denomination. He was one who was baptizing. John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And since God gave these Gentiles the same gift he gave us when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I to stand in God's way? Wow, what a great and humble answer that he gave them. They were criticizing him. He goes, wait, let me tell my story. When the others heard this, they stopped objecting and began praising God. <laughs> Hey, they love truth. I appreciate that. They were a little hardcore at first, but they loved truth enough to listen and to believe the word. They stopped objecting and began praising God. They said, we can see that God has also given the Gentiles the privilege of what? Of repenting of their sins and receiving eternal life. Yes, if you remember the Old Testament, yes, he did. He promised it from the start. What has been God's vision for the planet? That, that, is a, that is a trick question because we could answer that all kinds of ways. I don't expect you to answer that how I want. God's vision for the planet has always been a planet full of his sons and daughters. Ever since the Garden of Eden. They were, we were created to be his family. He's always wanted the earth to be full of his family. And one day it will be. Not yet, but it will be one day. Meanwhile, the believers who had been scattered during the persecution after Stephen's death. Remember Stephen? He was a deacon. And he was powerful. He answered everybody and he debated them. And then they stoned him. Remember, he gave the brief history of the Israeli people, the Jews. Man, he'd, he'd, he'd been stoned. And remember Saul, who became Paul later, was standing there. Everybody laid their coats at his feet. He was consenting of, of Stephen's death. So it said those who had been scattered during the persecution after Stephen's death traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and where else? Cyprus is an island in the middle of the Mediterranean See, Antioch of Syria. They preached the word of God, but only to Jews. Interesting, huh? However, some of the believers who went to Antioch from Cyprus and Cyrene, this is powerful, 
began preaching to the Gentiles about the Lord Jesus. They had enough sense to say, man, this is for everybody. This is for everybody. Someone say, this is for everybody. Uh huh. If you know someone who needs the word, share it with them. You get these perfect setups. If those of you who understand basketball, the favorite thing that you can be part of or watch happen to your team is someone's wide open under the basket for a layup. Like, oh, that was a nice pass. I remember Magic Johnson in the 80s, he would, he would do this thing where he would throw the ball one-handed, but he, we called it a no-look pass. Do you remember the beauty of those things? Or he would bounce past it without even looking. He'd be in the lane and he'd bounce past the ball. And it was so clean and everybody was looking at him that they weren't watching the other guy and he's open. God's going to give you these wide open layups at the basket, if you understand the basketball metaphor and analogy. And that is when people walk up to you and go, I feel life's not worth it. What is life worth living for? Is this all there is to life? What do you think? It's going to happen. And you can't just clam up and go, uh... At the very least, go, man, you know what? I'm connected at a church where they teach the word. Or, you know what? God changed my life, and I believe everybody's called to accept Jesus. He's the only way to heaven. You can give simple answers. The power of the Lord was with them, and a large number of these Gentiles believed and turned to the Lord. Man, it's all our spiritual legacy here being detailed in the book of the Acts of the Apostles. When the church at Jerusalem heard what had happened, they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he arrived and saw this evidence of God's blessing, he was filled with joy. Why do you think God's blessing gives people joy? Scripture, go ahead. It's pure. Yeah, you know what? Scripture says that the blessing of the Lord makes rich. Say, man, that word rich, what does that mean? I'm just going to have a billion dollars? Well, not necessarily. Rich in that context can mean he gives you everything you need and more, and you can be a blessing to other people. Fulfillment. Well, we've been talking about two weeks in a row, completeness. This verse says, the blessing of the Lord makes rich, and he adds no sorrow with it. You ever seen the drug dealers? They're making money, and they're doing all this, but there's always sorrow with it. Always. Say, man, I'm doing good. I'm stacking money. I'm doing all this. Uh-huh, but you're scared for your life. You're waiting for someone to kick through the door and shoot you or take you to jail, one or the other. It's, it's not worth it. They arrived and saw this evidence of God's blessing. He, or when he arrived, he was filled with joy because God's blessing makes rich. It fills you with satisfaction, completeness, fulfillment, and he adds no sorrow with it. There's no strings attached to God's blessing like, hey, I'm going to give you this blessing, but, you know, this, this is going to end up destroying you. No. You've ever seen the movies where people make a deal with the devil? I'll give you everything you want for 15 years, then I'm going to call in my note. It's due, and I'm going to take you to hell, or I'm going to kill you, or whatever. Sign this contract in blood. Did you know I've heard stories of that? I heard the story years ago. Look at this. Look how the enemy operates. He said, man, this is freaky. I heard the story years ago of northern New Mexico. We got family up there, Hispanics that have been up there, you know, Spaniards that have been up there 500 plus years. We've traced our lineage back all the way to since before the Mayflower. Crazy. And um, my grandpa used to, uh, he told the story of a, of a guy who supposedly made a deal with the devil. And this guy could go into people's houses in the middle of the night 
and rob them blind, open up doors and windows and kick the door down, but the people would be asleep and they, they wouldn't even hear him. But then he died real young. Study the lives of people who get into witchcraft. The enemy calls in and says, I'll give you a little bit of power, what you think is power for a little while, but then I'm going to wipe you out. But see, God, the God you serve, he says, serve me, and I will add blessing on blessing. You know what he told Abraham? In blessing, I will bless you, and in multiplying, I will multiply you. Double, triple, quadruple, astronomical, geometric sequence, blessing. Blessing upon blessing upon blessing. That is what God has called you for. He said, man, you don't know my family tree. I don't have to because I know that God has given you the blood transfusion of eternity. You are now in the family of God. And when you're in the family of God, look, evidence of God's blessing. Look what it goes on to say about Barnabas. He was filled with joy, and he encouraged the believers to stay true to the Lord. Keep the faith. Stay connected, man. Keep the faith. Stay connected. Don't give up. Barnabas was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and strong in faith. And many people were brought to the Lord. Then Barnabas went on to Tarsus to look for Saul. Barnabas was the son of encouragement, according to Scripture. When he found him, he brought him back to Antioch. Say, why is this so important? Well, both of them stayed there with the church for a full year, teaching large crowds, large crowds of people. It was at Antioch that the believers were first called Christians or Christ-like or those who serve Christ. That's what a Christian is. In Spanish, cristiano, one who is like Christ. In German, the word that they use means, it actually means Christ-like. Christian, like Jesus. During this time, some prophets traveled, traveled from Jerusalem to Antioch. One of them named Agabus, someone say Agabus. All right, I'm just making sure you're with me. What a name. Stood up in one of the meetings and predicted by the Spirit that a great famine was coming upon the entire Roman Empire or Roman world. This was fulfilled during the reign of Claudius. You can look this up in your history books. So the believers in Antioch decided to send relief to the brothers and sisters in Judea, everyone giving as much as they could. Isn't that powerful missionary work? They were sending relief money to bless them and help them because the world was going through a famine, or the Roman world anyway. This they did, entrusting their gifts to Barnabas and Saul to take to the elders of the church in Jerusalem. Why? So they could disperse the money, buy food for the, the widows, buy food for the orphan. Did you know it was never the government's responsibility to take care of people? The government does the worst job in history of doing most things. Was it Ronald Reagan, I believe, he said some of the scariest words in the English language are, I am from the government and I'm here to help you. Yeah. No, see, people try to substitute government for God, and look at what that did in Russia. Communism? Communism fails every time because it's godless. Another reason communism and socialism fail is they decide what you do with your money. That's against, how many of you know that that is unscriptural? I can disprove socialism right here, just in these verses we just read. It said everyone gave. They gave. They weren't forced to give. No one showed up and said, hey, y'all give right now. We're going to give money to the people in Judea and Israel. You are going to give. No. They chose to give. 
Now, taxes are one thing, to keep the government going, keep your roads paved. Okay, fine. Even Jesus said, Jesus said give unto Caesar whatever belongs to Caesar, give unto God whatever belongs to God. Well, part of you giving to God is helping the poor. Did you know this ministry has always, has always had a heart for taking care of the poor? We've gone through different seasons. Some of you in here even were part of that. We've given to pastors in South Africa. We've given to pastors in Guatemala. This church... You may not remember or may not know it, but someday in heaven you'll be reminded of it. There are folks in here and those on the live stream that were part of this years ago. When I went to Russia, maybe you gave and helped me go. You were helping the believers in Russia or Indonesia or wherever. Say, man, how really? Does God need my money? No, he doesn't need your money, but he blesses people through his people. Isn't that something? It's interesting sometimes you hear people say, well, they, they, need to, they need to have their own faith for that. Well, I may be the answer to their prayer. Because of their faith, I may be able to give right now. And have you noticed that God doesn't always ask you to give when you're doing, you're just making, you're, I don't know if you work on commission. You, I, don't, I don't know, do you work on some commission? Some months are greater than others probably. But God doesn't always wait for your top paying month or the month you got all the overtime. Sometimes he waits until, man, it's been a little tough, and the Lord says, go ahead and give out of your need, and let's bless somebody. Come on. We know about tithe and offering, but there's times God may call you to fill someone's gas tank up or just help them out. Man, God spoke to me recently about giving to someone, and I'm going to be honest with you. I had a conversation with God. Like what was a man of God? He said, I explained to God. And I kind of did. I was, uh, I was working on a, something, and the Lord began to talk to me. I was, got someone to help me. I was given a side job. I, I hustle here and there. My primary work is pastoring, obviously, and I'm available for that, and I love that. And I wouldn't trade this for anything, pastoring and, and just being part of the five-fold ministry. But I do stuff on the side here and there because it's fun, and I like working outside. And some jobs are more fun than others, but I was working a job, and I, I needed some help. And I decided I'm going to bless this dude with this amount per hour. And God said, add another $5 to that. And so I explained to the Lord, because I wasn't sure if he knew. I was like, Lord, here's how much the guy's paying me to do it. This, I mean, this is all going to add up. <laughs> you know, I'm thinking, well, this is going to add up. I really need to do it. And God said, hey. And I just knew it. I knew within me. Yeah, I was like, yeah, yes, sir. I got in the last word. Yes, Lord. Okay. All right. All right. This guy needs it more than I do. Praise God. I'm, I'm able to bless. God will call you to give many times when it's not just right. But how many of you know that's when it really, that to me, that touches the heart of God. Scripturally, you see, man, I don't know if we can do this. Um, what, what did one man, man of God say years ago? He said, man, God told me to give $1,000. I'd have to be rich to give $1,000. You ready for this profound wisdom? No, you just have to have $1,000. Did y'all catch that? Come on. He said, man, Lord, I, man, I'd have to be rich to give that. No, the Lord says, just give, just give. I love, I love this verse. Whoever gives to the poor lends to the Lord. 
What kind of interest does God pay? Say, what's God's interest? Scripture talks about a thousandfold blessing in the Old Testament. And Jesus talked about 30, 60, and 100 fold. 30 times, 60 times, and 100 times what you gave. Say, man, and people get spiritual on you. You know that that sorry fake spiritual that doesn't help anyone where they go, well, I don't give to be blessed. You don't? Then give me your money and I'll tithe off of it because I give to be blessed. I give because I love God. I do. But I give to be blessed. I need the blessing. I'm not foolish enough to think, oh, man, well, I don't really need the blessing. I've had people say, no, we have enough, you know. And I understand what they're, they mean is God's taking care of us. Our needs are met. Praise God. But what about, what about me being blessed enough to help 10 people? What about us being blessed enough, and y'all have all been part of this, blessed enough to buy several gifts for the, the outreach that we do in December to give, give gifts to kids? Say, man, no, I just, my dad used to say this growing up. said, no, Lord, bless us four and no more. Bless us three, and that's it. That doesn't rhyme, but, you know. Bless us two, and you do you. I don't know. I don't know. It's just, I just said it as it's coming. I like poetry, but I haven't had time to think about this part. This, I didn't know this was going to come up tonight. But you got to say, man, why, 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 why do we give? Let me get into this for a minute. Let's go to the previous, let's go to the previous verse there. Let's go to verse 30. This they did, entrusting their gifts to Barnabas and Saul to take to the elders of the church in Jerusalem. They gave. This is powerful. They gave to provide, here's a good word, word, relief. For some other folks in the Roman world, the Roman Empire, who were going through the famine. Famines are caused by droughts, usually. But how many of you know that governments can cause famines? Governments cause problems and blame it on other stuff. So, you know, COVID... COVID really wrecked the economy, did it? I don't know. We'll all know when we get to heaven, right? Or was it the government? <laughs> so you got to rely on God, and as you trust in God, God, and you give to God, God will always take care of you, and it'll be through someone else usually. It's rare that money just falls from heaven. That's never happened to me. I've heard stories. Heard a man of God years ago said, man, we were at a gas station. We were out of money. I didn't know how we were going to do it. These guys were in a Christian singing group. Man, I said, this is a true story. And I knew this guy. He had a very original name. It's hard to forget his name. His name was Junior. Just making sure you're listening. Last name was Cardenas, but I remember. He said, man, we were at a, we were at a gas station, and I, I don't remember the story if he'd lost his wallet or what, but they were down to, you know, when your vehicle's like, <sighs> your vehicle's like trying to smell the fumes. Your vehicle's like, man, I don't even smell any gas in this engine. You know, your vehicle's going, put some gas in me. So they pulled over, and he said, I prayed and believed God. And this is a rare story, and he was a man of God. He's gone to be with the Lord now. He said, I prayed, and he said, I felt the Lord quicken in my spirit. Look up, because, see, they were at one of those gas stations that's below an overpass. He said, I looked up, and several $20 bills were falling from the overpass. That's rare. Usually God's going to bless you directly by another person or a check in the mail, right? We've been talking about that. But you got to give. Why? You give to overcome greed. Pastor Joel Stockstill, one of the people I really respect. Man, he's 
had kidney problems almost as long as he's been alive. He's younger than me. He's had kidney problems 20-something years. He's had dialysis with folks two, three times his age. And he said, man, I heard him speak years ago on something. He said, man, I still have a hard time giving sometimes. He's like, man, Lord, I had plans for this money. But you got to remember this principle. I'd, I would rather have 90% of my money blessed than 100% of it cursed. I'll never forget summer of 1995 where I thought, I'm going to use my tithe money to buy other things. I was 19, full head of hair, and foolish. Man, I had flat tires. The alternator went out. It, everything went to hell in a handbasket, it felt like. I was like, man, what is going on? Oh, oh yeah, I used my tithe money to buy some movies or something on VHS. It was just really stupid. I think I even lost those. <laughs> Don't rob God. Don't steal from God. I say, man, does he need my money? No, you need the blessing. And we don't realize this, but when you give, God is working on your character. I don't know who this is for tonight. God's working on your character. So I love it when God blesses me with cash from some avenue. Not the avenues. But some avenue, some means. And I, I'm like, well, Lord, I'm going to give you 20% of this. Because I didn't have any of this anyway. Or I'm going to give you 30% of this. And it's amazing what God will do for you. They entrusted their gifts to Barnabas and Saul to take to the elders of the church in Jerusalem. Why? So the elders could disperse it to help the poor and to help those in need. God has blessed you for, like the story of Esther, right? For such a time as this. Keep giving. Keep putting God first. It deals with your character and you get a blessing that will bless others all around you. Go ahead and bow your heads and close your eyes tonight. I want to lead you in a prayer tonight, especially if you've never accepted Jesus or made him the Lord of your life. And I believe everybody in here has done that, but if you never have made Jesus the Lord of your life by praying what we call the sinner's prayer, I want you to pray that with me. Either way tonight, we're going to pray as a church family, but pray it from your heart. Those joining us on the live stream or those on a podcast or wherever you are, SoundCloud, I want everyone in the house to pray this prayer with me. Say, Heavenly Father, forgive me. Cleanse me by the blood of Jesus. I need you now more than ever. I'm sorry. Say it again. Say, I'm sorry. I repent. And now, say, I call upon the name of the Lord Jesus as my Savior, my Lord, and my Redeemer. I believe Jesus died and rose again for me. Thank you, Lord, for saving me from hell and from my sin. Say this, say, from my guilt and from my past, say, I believe in Jesus' name. I want everybody to look at me right where you're sitting today. That's a very important prayer. Thanks for praying with me. It encourages those who are joining us in prayer for the first time on accepting Jesus. How many of you would say there was something in the word tonight that I needed? I want you to raise your hand because I'm going to pray for you. Say, man, there was something in there that I needed to hear tonight. Let's pray. Let's bow our heads and Close our eyes and let's pray again. Father, I thank you that your word has fallen on good ground. 
No matter what, your word touches us where we need it. Scripture says you sent your word and healed them. Scripture says you sent your word and forgave them. Scripture says your word will never return to you empty-handed. Your, your word says your, your word will accomplish what you send it to accomplish. Tonight, this was a divine appointment, like my mom used to say. A moment in time where you were speaking to us about something. Help us to never forget. Even if it's one word from you, one thing from you that we needed, God, let that be used for your glory and to bring transformation and change in our lives. Let it be a rhema, a revelation, a word that we needed, right moment, right place, right time. We trust you and we thank you tonight, Father. We give you glory. In Jesus' name, somebody said.